yeah. It's a kickoff Sunday, and we're excited for a new season, church, aren't we? We're excited for God to do something in our midst, and I know it's probably especially if you have kids or especially uh, if you're at school yourself or something like that, that every September it feels like a new season. We celebrate a new year, uh, sort of January, but it feels like September is the kickoff. So summer sort of rolls to a close, and we ask God, Lord, what do you want to do next? Some of us have set our high expectations for what is going to happen at this year. Maybe you're new to town for a connect, uh, for a VIU or something like that, and you just got all these expectations wrapped up on what is going to happen. Those connect groups are starting again. Serving teams are coming back with an increased uh, flavor and 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 pace, and we're just on task for the mission of God. And as we step into this season as well, for me and Camilla, it's kind of a coincidence that this happened also during a September season of new life and and kickoff um, for the church that we're sort of stepping in. So for us as well, we're asking along with the eldership team and the whole eldership team leads this church along with us is that, God, what are you going to do in this season? Have you ever had sleepless nights? You probably had some maybe before you moved town, maybe before you started a new job, and maybe before anything like that. I can attest the week before the transition, man, I was waking up at some odd hours of the night. And the first couple of nights, I was like, wow, this is really inconvenient. Is this the lead guy blessing someone? We had a family come, a family come stay with us for the transition weekend, and I was telling them about my sleep that week, and they were like, yeah, I don't know a single lead guy who sleeps well. And I was like, no, what are you doing? What have we done? What are we stepping into? Suddenly Mike's, Mike can get, Mike and Debs can get to sleep now and we're going to be out worrying. But when you start a new season, and what was cool about these things when I started to wake up and, and gladly after the transition sign, I just felt a new, new peace for this thing, a new power over this thing as, as well. Speaking to Camilla, we just feel ordained and purpose for this place is that those times of waking up have turned into times of prayer with God where God has brought a worry or a a thing to the attention of saying, oh, wow, the church really needs this, or what about that person over there? I miss them. What are they doing? It's just turn into prayer after prayer after prayer. Debs was telling us just before the transition at one of the times when we were over at their house is that you're going to find and open up a new level of devotion between you and God. And it's out of necessity. Sometimes you're forced into devotion with God out of necessity for a season you're taking. And some of you are in that thing as well here this morning. You've taken a fresh step. You've come to a new city and you're asking God, reveal the church that you want us to be at. Reveal the people that you want us to be connected with. And we as a leadership team are asking for this as well. God, show us the way forward. God, show us how we should build this place out. God, show us after the years of of COVID and all that other stuff, how to rebuild again, how to have joy again, how to celebrate again, how to party again, how to worship the living God again as a people on mission for Him in this city. It's a new season. We don't know how long it's going to be. Mike and Deb's 25 amazing years But they started out and we heard all the stories at the 25th anniversary last week of this church and we heard that they came with nothing. They came with empty hands. They came with their three kids and all they did was say, God, give us a people here. We're going to start a connect group and we're going to see how big that connect group gets. We've got no boundaries on it. We've got no walls on it. And we say, God, everywhere that you want to expand the walls, do that amongst our midst. I'm sure that was their thought. And that is where we are at today. 
The walls have greatly expanded from a, connect, from a connect group meeting in someone at the bottom of their house into all the believers that we get to worship with here this morning. Again, they didn't know where God would lead them exactly. They didn't know that we'd be in this building with this leadership team with your exact faces, but they knew God was going to do something good in their midst, amen? And he's been faithful to that call over their lives. And as we start the next season of Oceanside Church, it is not lost on us the bigness of this season, the bigness of what's going on, the, the taking and the passing, the, the, the passing on of the reins and things like that. And I felt God say, uh, I was asking, well, what kind of thing should we preach on right off the bat? What is that first message right out of, out of the gate? What do the people need to hear? And as sometimes as God says, God just came back and said, keep first things first. Keep it simple, church. I'm reminded we were at the Chicago Equip, uh, which was a, a conference for our, our partnering churches down in the States. Um, just after we announced the transition, uh, me, Camilla, along with a couple of the staff, uh, we all went down with Mike and Debs as well. And one of the messages was preaching on the churches of Revelation. And if you know anything about Revelation, if you've read that book right at the end of the Bible before, you know that Jesus speaks about the different churches. And the first church he speaks about is a church, and he gives them all these recommendations. You've done so many things good. You've done so many things well. But he says this at the end, and he says, but you forgot your first love. Go back and do what you did at first. Do what you did at the beginning Remember how it was when you came to Christ for the very first time and go and do that. I feel like this is a moment for the church where God is asking us to do the same thing. Go back and do what you did at first. It's a time for us to examine our hearts and ask us, why are we here? And what does success look like for this church? Does it look like more chairs out on a Sunday? Does it look like more volunteers in different roles? And yeah, there's some of that and there's things that we get to do, but success for us as a church does not depend on the size of our congregation, but the noise of the voice that is lifting up the name of Jesus in this city. The question we ask ourselves and will be asking ourselves is the name of Jesus celebrated, shouted more in this city before than he was 25 years ago than he is now and in 25 years to come. Is his name greater in this city? Are we declaring it to it? Are we growing in it? Is his name greater in our lives? That is what success looks like for us. When we were looking at the scripture this week and just asking, yeah, Lord God, reveal what you want to do. See, I don't remember where this, where this came across and where I saw this came on, on sort of, but seeking and praying, God, praying to God, I just felt him pull out Matthew 16 for us here this morning. If you know the Gospels, if you're familiar with church, or maybe you're new, Jesus is, has, and you can just turn there in your Bibles here this morning, Matthew 16, that's going to be where we're going to be for the majority of the time. He gets to believe it. He gets his disciples together. And, you know, Jesus is a fair way into his ministry at this time. Just like we as a church, we're a fair way into the ministry of Oceanside Church at the moment. Oceanside's, you know, just as Jesus has a reputation in the city, Oceanside has a reputation in the city. To some people, it's a good reputation. To some people, it's a bad reputation. And he was asking his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And they come out with these different answers, and they answer him with different holy names throughout the Bible of, of who Jesus might be. But in Matthew 16, 
he turns back to the disciples from verse 15, and he says to them, but who do you say that I am? And one of the disciples, Simon Peter, replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And this is the bit for us. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Again, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's easy when a new season comes through, when a new prime minister comes through, when a new king comes through for England, and things like that. And we can look at that leader and look at the sufficiency of that person, look at the toolbox in their life, look at what they've got, look at the skills that they have to lead the people. And it's hard to predict the outcomes that are subject to their ability. What is in our hands, church, for the next season? Do we look down and we think that we're lacking or do we look down and that we think that we have it? And there's a bit of that going on. There's a bit of that going on for me as well. It's like, do I have what it's got in this, in this season of leading up to this? When Mike and Debs first asked us to lead the church uh, some four years ago when they were hinting at it, that God was starting to reveal that thing. Do we have it? Is that it? But Jesus sees it differently. The first thing that we get from this scripture, and it's the first time that word church is used in the New Testament. It's by Jesus, I believe. And he says, we find out it is Jesus who builds his church. Church, we can come up with the best programs. We can have the best coffee. You heard Matt say, we want to get the espresso bar back. Yes, we want to do that. It's going to be great. The caffeine really helps, and it helps to make community and raise money for certain causes that we love to raise money for. But it is not those things that build the church. Jesus has to build his church. It is not by man's might it is not by our own effort or even our amazing or lacking administration, however we see it, it is Him who builds it. It is not us. We can add things. We can get along with His mission. We can take up His cause, but ultimately, it is Jesus who builds His church. Would you agree? It's a tricky thing to see, right? Because it's like, well, Without the people volunteering and all this other stuff, without everybody putting in their cause, we would not build it. But what does Jesus mean? And I think we're going to get there in a little bit. It is Jesus who builds his church. The other thing, just a little clue here we see about what, how Jesus sees the church, is that he sees it as wholly his. What does he say? He says, on this rock I will build, and then he says, I will build my church. That's humbling as a leader to stand up here before you. And there's lots of people saying congratulations and other things and well done and, and all these other things as, as we interact and we celebrate with you about the next season of the church. But church, this is not our church. It's his church. We stand and the eldership team stands before you and lays out the cause of God as stewards of him. We want to lead well. 
We want to shepherd well. We want to pastor well. We want to celebrate when there's times of celebration and mourn when there's times of mourning. But it's Jesus' church, and it is wholly His. It exists for Him. It exists by Him and exists all because of Him. And He is building His church. How many church leaders do we see fail amongst us? And we get, we get downtrodden, we get disappointed. Some people leave the faith entirely based on one person's leadership and how they can fail. And it's odd how we always want to do that, right? We always want to put one person at the beginning, someone in the flesh. And, and Israel did it as well when they asked for King Saul. They're like, just give us a person who can be king to us. But Jesus is saying... No, it's me, it's mine, I am building it, it's my church, it's Jesus' church. It's Jesus' church, and it's him who builds it. But the other thing here, and this is probably one of the most widely debated um, scriptures in the Bible, right? If you know anything about it, this is sort of where the pro Protestants go one way and the Catholics go the other way in terms of the interpretation of this verse and what Jesus is saying here. And how we interpret this verse, we won't get into all the weeds right now, but Jesus says something quite particular about what his disciple Peter said about him. If the first point was it's Jesus who is building his church, the second point for us this morning, church, is that it is built upon the revelation of who Christ is. Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus blessed him and told him it was not, he didn't conjure that up from within inside of himself. That had to come from a revelation from his Father in heaven. And then, Pete, and then uh, Jesus says this about Peter's words. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. Church, it's our job as leaders amongst you to push you, to pull you, to show you and hope that, not hope, but see Jesus revealed in this place. When Jesus was talking about a rock that his church would be built on, he's talking, we believe that he was talking about the rock of what Peter just said. That is, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was the rock, the immovable thing, that revelation from the Father that Jesus was going to build every man, woman, and child into that church who believed. The church is built upon the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's where I'm saying, church, that in another 25 years or in another season, if we want to judge how well we're doing as a church, is, is Jesus being revealed in a greater way in this place than ever before? Are there more people who are experiencing that revelation? Are long-serving Christians, have they gone stale? Or are they falling back in love with their first love and seeing Jesus for how he reveals himself? Because when we fall out of love with Jesus or we fall into the monotonousness of just coming to church every Sunday, it's because we've lost that revelation of who he actually is. Because Jesus is the one who spoke the stars and heavens into creation. You can never get bored with him. You can never get used to him. You can never be with him and not be touched by his presence and transformed. He has to move you because we are his creation and he is the creator God.
How many times can we look up at the stars and just get used to it? But when we actually think for a second or two about how gigantic the creation of this universe is, we stand back and we can never get used to that thing. It's so exciting that Jesus has, has put in us creativity and, 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 and industry and all this other stuff so we can send up telescopes into space and we can see more of his creation. Parts of his creation that he didn't even need to put there. But he spoke into being all these things just to say, my name is great and you will never stop finding out how awesome and how powerful I am. That is the Jesus that we can't get used to. That is why it's not six Sundays and done and you've, you've heard everything. It's we've got to come back to this place and we push one another forward to the revelation and we each bring testimonies and all this other stuff and our connect groups act as facilitation for us to share how deeply Christ is affecting each one of us. And as we hear one thing, we're spurred on by the next thing and that pushes us towards into Christ, his revelation of who he is. I'm sure after Peter was the one to say it, it sparked off the other disciples as well, and they had to have their own revelation from heaven. But upon the revelation of Jesus Christ, his true position as the son of the living God, he will build his church upon that. And that is what this morning is about, church. Everything that we do, everything that we put our hand to, we're asking for Jesus' name to be made great in it. Churches can be built on so many things. They can be built on a person. They can be built on charisma. They can be built on entertainment. They can be built on good ideas or wanting to install good morals into the next generation or you had a good experience or something like that. They can be built on so many things. But church is none of that. It's the revelation of the risen King, Jesus Christ. And it has, like Mike said so many different times, it has to be first-hand revelation, church. If we are going to grow as a church, if he is going to build his church, it's not good enough for a revelation coming from, from Matt and Beth on the worship team or from someone bringing a message. We have to experience it for ourselves. Our families won't be changed unless we experience Christ for ourselves. Our workplaces won't be changed if we don't experience Christ for ourselves. And when you start experiencing Christ, just like you remember when you were first saved, people can see it. And people start asking about it. People can see there's been a tangible change in your life and there's just something different. And church, we need to ask ourselves and ask Jesus to renew that first love within this house. The revelation of Christ is a rock. It comes from heaven. It is only delivered by the Father who is in heaven. And it's a rock. It says this in Ephesians 2. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. In him you are also being built together in the, to the dwelling place, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. How do we grow as those living stones? How do we grow this place into a, temp, into a temple, a dwelling place for the God by the Spirit? It's by knowing who Jesus is fully, church. Jesus is the cornerstone for this church. 
And at the beginning of a new season, we affirm that thing. And we say, we are going to get this right. We are going to worship the living God. My son loves to big. one of the great things that I've seen him come alive recently is he loves to build Lego and all these other things. And we're like, oh, yeah, this, this Lego box is rated for a six-year-old. But you're four. You're, you're doing great. It's awesome. But how, and he can sort of follow the instructions himself and all this other stuff. But how many of you parents know if you're helping a kid with a Lego brick, if they, if they put a Lego brick in the wrong place and then they get further and further down the thing, man, you're, you're in for a world of hurt. You're in for tearing hundreds of bricks back and finding the one we need that we put down earlier, but it's the one that's got to come later. Just like with us as a church, this is a time of examination and building again to say, God, what are you building in this season? Point number three for us here this morning is that his church is being built, and this church, his church, is being built by a king who has utter dominion over everything. Peter recognized this. He recognized a few things, but one of the things he recognized was that Jesus was the Son of God. And let me tell you, sons have authority in the house. We see that, right? This week, the past week, I'm British, the queen died. Tragic? No, it's not. She was a great queen. We love her so much as, as a people. But one of the things that surprised me was how quickly Charles became king. I thought we had to wait a few weeks. I thought we had to, you know, have, the, have the, all the ceremonies that are going to be about tomorrow and then wait a few weeks for the coronation. But no, it was this thing, and I was watching it happen on the news, and I was just fascinated and getting all sorts of nostalgia uh, back from all this sort of stuff. And I'm sure some of you have been sort of looking into it as well, and, and just the, the outpouring of, of people's respect for the queen and, and, and how she just uh, carried out that job. But Charles became king very quickly. It was instantly everything changed. There were races to update all the Wikipedia pages because it's like it's no longer God save the queen, it's God save the king. I think probably the largest thing that takes the most amount of time to change is all the currency. But other than that, everywhere, it instantly went from the queen to the king. The succession plan, there was no break because there was uh, this thing in place that news that uh, England always has a queen or a king and it always goes and it happens in an instant. But church, how much more for Jesus, being the very Son of God, does he have dominion over everything? And church, as we realize who Jesus is, as we think about his nature and his position, and I love where Wes was going there about Jesus being seated on the throne uh, during our prayer meeting and leading the meeting as well, is that we need to know not only Jesus' title, but also his authority and his power over everything. Because we quickly realize, just like as when I look up at the stars and think, wow, that's so big and I'm so small, there is such a freedom in that. You worry about so many things, but then you realize how big this other thing is. You're just like, wow, I'm so insignificant compared to this. The fact that God would use us, the fact that God would, would, would minister through us is amazing. 
In Colossians 1, it says this, and I was listening to this on loop this week, is that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. This is talking about Jesus. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones like the queen or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him he holds all things together. And then talking about us, the church, he says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from from the dead, and in everything, that in everything, he might be preeminent. It's a humbling experience to have the father of the house say, hey, we, we see the church being, being transitioning to you in, the, in a few years. If, and it's such a humbling thing to that to happen because it was never, never our goal to, for that to happen. We just wanted to say yes to the things that are going on. And it's, and it's a humbling thing to stand before you and ask God, Lord, give us the things and give the eldership team the things here that we might lead these people into a new season. But when we look at the size of Jesus, when we look at the authority that he has in his hand, when I think about his intention and his will for this city and his will for you and what he wants to bring about in your lives, church, I get excited for what God wants to do in this place. I was talking to someone earlier this week and churches all over the place, it's funny to meet the different leaders, but we're all, we're all struggling to get things going after COVID. You know, people aren't we don't want to, you know, it's, it's hard to serve, it's harder to, to do these things and, and all this other stuff. And particularly, you know, so many churches struggling with finding enough people for the kids ministry. And I was talking about that with one of our amazing leaders earlier this week. And, and you see the need, church, right? You see the need of a of hundred or so kids that would come out prior to COVID. And now we're, things are ramping back up. Families are coming back and we're like, oh God, what do we do with all these kids? And it can be Sometimes you can fall into it, seeing it like a problem. Oh, we got too many kids. Lord, if only we had less kids in the church, this would be so much easier. I would never say that about my own kids. And the third that we were expecting, no, just kidding. I think I have confession, they're not here. Um, but we can fall into that sometimes, right? But actually with what God is showing us recently is what a good problem to have. And then we go on our knees before the Father and Lord say, Lord, send us the workers, send us people who are passionate about youth care. Why have you given us a hundred or so kids? Why have you done that in this church? Why? why? I believe because he wants to do something radical through this body of believers to the next generation. And I believe that God will send and God will raise up and God will have his victory if we ask his name to be revealed to our kids. If we show them, it's by having him revealed. Church, where there is opportunity and where there, is the, where there is knowledge of the heart of God, then I get excited for what he wants to do. I get excited by why you are here this morning. I get excited by meeting new people and just seeing the flavor that is on their life. How God knits the church together and brings totally different people together in a room and says, worship me. And he created us with such variety and different giftings and different purposes that we might come together as a people and live out this perfect plan that he has for us. Church, every struggle, 
Every need that we are seeing is an opportunity for us to say, Lord, reveal your purposes to this church. May we be faithful with what you are doing. In Ephesians 1, it also says this about God having authority over everything. It says, Ephesians 1 verse 22, it says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things. And get this, I read this so many times, but with the topic of today, it just jumped out. Made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Church, how ridiculous is it that the living God, Jesus, who spoke creation into being a part of the Godhead, part of the Trinitarian God, that God would put Christ over everything for the benefit of who? The benefit of us, church. Jesus came, was nailed to the cross, rose again, Authority over everything given to him for the benefit of his body, the church. Church, if God is for us, like that song Battle Belongs sing, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Sometimes we feel like it's not so smooth sailing because we're not really operating God's will. Maybe we're asking for God for things that are outside of what he wants right now. But church, if we put our hand to the work that he's got for us in his will, then what can be against us for the benefit of the church? I am encouraged by that verse, that Jesus Christ, his very, him very self, the Son of God, has dominion over all things, not just for the benefit of himself, and we get the scraps, but for the benefit of the church. Church, we can go to him. If the authority is there for a reason, it's because God wants us to work out that authority in this, in this city. God wants to work that authority for the church and increase it and build it upon his revelation. How great is that? Point four for us, and it comes out of the Matthew 16, is that nothing can prevail against his church. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, which is the revelation, the confession that Peter just had, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The first thing we see here, I I guess, is that we have to assume is that hell is actually trying to prevail against the church sometimes, right? Hell actually wants to prevail against the church. Why would Jesus mention that hell won't prevail against the church unless hell was trying to prevail against the church? It's trying to prevail against the church, but it won't. The enemy cannot remove Jesus from his throne. And some of us here this morning that are struggling with situations and just need to surrender and ask for help, and we want to come alongside to show you that if you are in God's hand, nothing can prevail against his purposes. It's awesome to be a people together. The church has real power. In 2 Corinthians 10, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. In verse 4, it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they're not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
And church, next week, I want to talk about more about the Holy Spirit and what God's doing in our midst through the church as well, making us active for his mission. But church, we need to know that we are secure. His church is secure. Even though different things happen in different nations and different seasons and stuff like that, we know that nothing can come against God's true church, which is the revelation revealed to us about who he really is. We can spend a lot of time deeply worried about our country, about where it's going. We've got kids, we're just putting them into the school system now that, you know, turning five, so we get to got to think all about that stuff and, and other things that are going on. And it's interesting talking to different parents and there's, there's so much worry about there. Like, oh, what's, what's going on? What are, what are all these new things that are, that are being taught and expressed? And how do, we, how do we wrestle with this and other things like that? And in a lot of ways, we can see maybe a nation that was closer to God in one season move into a season further away from God, at least in terms of government and things like that. And church, while we must take part in political process and debate, and this is place of democracy, it's not like other places where, where Christians have to live under authoritarian rule, so we have chance to participate and express ourselves. The only real change that is able to sweep and change our, our land is that revelation of Christ. We won't be able to argue society into the kingdom of heaven. We won't be able to argue society into looking back to him. We have to pray for the outpouring. We have to pray for the revelation of Christ Jesus. That's the only reason why any of us change, right? That's the only reason why we have the power to drop addictions and to follow Christ and all these other things is by having him renew us. It's the revelation of Christ that needs to sweep our land. And as just as we look at our country and we hunger for the nations and we're asking God to make a move, it's in this season that we see tremendous opportunity for God to reach out. Every problem, every strife, every season, church, we've got to start praying for those that once we are saw as enemies through through what is being taught and all this other stuff. We have to pray for them. We have to see that God will bring the souls and turn them into pools. I believe that we will see a season in our nation where the people who are so opposed to Jesus will have dramatic encounters with him and turn the other way. And just like Paul, who, who had that revelation in the Bible, they'll do the most work, they'll have the most fruit because they've experienced from going from one side to the other side. Church, I'm so encouraged by what you can find on, the, find on the internet because people have these testimonies. There are testimonies out there of people's lives being changed and it's no longer me who has no experience of that thing, who, what they're struggling with. I can point to this person and say, listen to this testimony. This is what happens when God enters your life. I believe, church, that although we hunger for our nation, that eventually... Eventually, if we keep hungering for it, if we keep praying for it, that God will sweep this land. And that is what we're praying for. Nothing can prevail against the church. It might try, but it can't. And we are secure because it's his church, not our church. If we try to build it ourselves, guess what? The enemy can prevail against it. If your faith is built upon yourself, guess what? The enemy can prevail against it because he can work at you, but he can't work at the living God. And just as we 
just the last point here. Point five, what is the church? It's his very body. It's Jesus's very body. In Colossians 1, it says he is the head. It's talking about Jesus. He is the head of the body, the church. 1 Corinthians 12, it says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Colossians 1, it says, for the sake of his body, that is the church, Christ's afflictions. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Ephesians 5.23, Jesus Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. And Romans 12.5, so we, though we are many, are one body in Christ. Church, again, when you get to study things, when you get to stew on things, I just feel like we've come over, overly familiar with saying, yep, yeah, we know the church isn't the steeple. We know it's the people, right? We all learned that in Sunday school if we went to Sunday school. But do we really know that this gathering here this morning and when we do it in Connect Group and when there's two or three gathered, that that is the very body of the, of the living and risen Messiah? For me... As Connect Group again starts this Wednesday, and I'm excited to see all the faces that we saw last year and excited to see what God's going to do, man, it gives me a new humility that it's not just a social gathering, although it's great to be social towards one another, but God can move in these spaces and places where we come together. There should be real expectation when we join a Connect Group church. It's not just about being new to the city and finding friends. Well, God wants to put you in family. God wants you to have friendships and all of that. There is a divine change that has taken place in my life through walking out life with the body of believers that are around me. From the individual moments of discipleship that I've had, you know, when those moments present themselves to, to the two or three, to the 10 or 12, and to the, to the group here this morning. We are all the body of Christ when we come together. And God is faithful to it. Christ is, Hebrews 3, 6, it says, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if we indeed hold fast to our confidence and boasting in our hope. In Matthew 18, it says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am amongst them. Church, I know I've like said this before an example, but if Jesus was somewhere else on planet earth, if he was, I don't know, if he was in Sierra Leone, you would figure out a way to get to Sierra Leone and see the living God. No matter what it took, no matter how many credit cards you need to take out or anything like that, if we knew Jesus was around, we'd be like, get me to Jesus. But Jesus for us has said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am amongst them. And it increases me for church for verses. Honestly, even when I read that now, I am so used to it. I'm so used to it. It's like, yeah, God can speak to us where two or three go. No, he's really there with his church as a body. And I feel like as God is knitting us together and is launching us again into September, God wants us to take seriously and have high expectation about what he can do when we come together. Sundays are great because we are the body of believers and we, we want to edify the name of Jesus in this place. Because as you know, when Christ's... Um, when Jesus is, uh, when we have true revelation of Jesus, that there will be the increase. There will be the building together of his house. But we need to not only do that on a Sunday morning, we need to get deep and with each other. 
It says in 1 Peter 2, verse 4 and 5, it says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Church, this house, this spiritual house, we are holy priesthood together ministering to one another. And I want to say it's so awesome to see you know, life flowing back into the church after, after COVID and all those years because when you weren't here, there was something missing. When Tim doesn't come to Connect Group because he's getting married and it's a good excuse not to come to Connect Group for a few weeks, that's good. But when he's not there, something is missing. His voice, his life, his perspective on Christ is missing. And for us ourselves, we need to raise the expectation and not have the false humility to, to say that, oh, me going there doesn't add anything. Now, God wants to build this place into a thriving place through each one of us. So get into connect groups. Sign up to lead a connect group. Maybe start to host a connect group with another leader, but then we'll trick you into leading a connect group or something like that. That's a good one, too. <laughs> Shoot, did we just reveal our hand? No, it's, good. it's called discipleship, okay? It's valid. Maybe as uh, we just invite the worship team back up here and we can just uh, maybe end with that song that we sung last there. As we mentioned at the beginning, the revelation of our Christ in our lives, it does start in that level uh, that Peter started with, right? It does start at the place. And again, that's where we believe that the saving grace of God comes into our life is when we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. When, we, when that becomes truth to us, that's the saving revelation of Christ to each one of us. But church, I want to encourage you. We were at a wedding last night, and it's easy to get fooled by a wedding that this is supposed to be the happiest day you're supposed to ever have with your spouse. But if you do relationship right... Or the first day with a baby, you're supposed to think, oh, like, that's amazing. It's the most you ever loved them and all this other stuff. In our relationships, in our marriages, we know that if you do a marriage right, it grows. And I want to say that even though some of us have put the, the wedding ring on the, on the finger with relationship with Christ, and that can never be taken off, that can never be nulled and, and all that other stuff, God has a depth of relationship for us as a church that never stops. I feel it. We're so busy with all these different things, but God just wants to say, I want to grow inside of you. I want to increase my revelation. I want to speak to you. Where you've struggled reading scripture, I want to take that veil away and I want to reveal scripture to you in a new way. I want to show you what I've got for you. That's not going to stop and is going to continue to grow through this life into the next life. We need to confess the truth every day that Jesus is on the throne, that he is the Messiah. Because I'll tell you, church, even for me who works for the church, and I get to be reminded of it every day of the week, the world is trying to take Jesus off the throne. They can't do it in the physical, so they try and do it in the, in the knowledge, right? The world tries, the enemy tries to get Jesus off the throne. He is never going to change, and he is never going to get off that throne. So we need to confess like Peter, daily, that Jesus is Lord, that he is king over everything. 
In Romans 15, it says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with you with one voice may glorify God the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And I just want to thank again those Connect Group leaders. And this isn't a preach about Connect Group or anything like that, but we are starting it again. I just want to thank you for getting that verse, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. It's a beautiful thing that we get to do when we're physically together. It's a beautiful thing when we when we open up our homes and sometimes it's harder to actually go to someone's home and to take that step. We don't do that in Canada very often, go to someone else's house. But Christ wants to be amongst our midst. He wants to be in with us. Church, this is a season of seeking a greater revelation of who Jesus is. As we start a fresh season and as we thank God for what he has done, and now as we ask God, what are you doing next? First, we're going to get this right. And we're not going to move on from the living God, Jesus who died for us. Thank you, Lord. And the band is just going to lead us in a song. Just want to encourage you. When I've had times and seasons in my life where I've heard a message like this and it, you know, you're, you're met with a season of dryness. Sometimes you're hearing a message like this and you're like, yeah, amen, I get it. I'm there. It's all good. This is just an encouragement. In other seasons, we, you get met with, oh, I'm not there. Guess what I think you can do here this morning? I think you can pray to the living God and ask him to reveal himself to you. You know why I think you can pray that? Because I think he wants to do that for you. He wants to change hearts of hard-hearted stone and turn them into soft vessels. He wants to turn seasons of dryness into seasons of flood, beautiful flood, beautiful enrichment. And church, we ourselves, as we stand before a new season, we ask the living God, Lord, work in this city. Do a work in this place that man can't. Lord, we start by coming and entering to your throne room and declaring that you are the living God, seated high and lifted up. Let's just stand, church. Lord, you are high and lifted up. Maybe just if you feel like it, just begin speaking words like that. You are worthy of it all, Jesus. Lord, we want to see you. We want to know you. We want to see you lifted high above this nation, above this city, in our workplaces, above, above our brothers and sisters who don't know you, Lord God, above our wayward sons, Lord Jesus, and daughters who are hungering to come back, Lord God. And we say, all I can do right now is have a greater appreciation and a greater revelation of you. And Lord God, we ask that for this church. We ask that for this body. We ask that for your body, Lord God, increase the revelation that this thing may not be built on man or its best plans, but it's built wholly on a hunger for you. Lord God, may we diminish and you grow great, Lord Jesus, in this place. Thank you, Lord God. Let's keep praying. Let's keep asking God to reveal himself. Amen.